Good morning, Subhanjaya Assemblies of God. It's such a joy to be able to speak in your service today. I want to thank Pastor Wong Ying-Ming for inviting me to speak at your hybrid camp and this morning on this auspicious day of the day of Pentecost or Pentecost Sunday. Let us pray. Father, we thank you even as we stand in the service today that you are the Lord and you are our Savior and you are the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, O oh God. Lord, we thank you, O oh God, for all that you have done in our lives and in our church, Subhanjaya Assembly, and how, O oh God, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and how your gifts, O oh God, flow through us. Lord, we pray, O oh God, this morning as we look into your word again, you will give us fresh revelation of what it means to be a Pentecostal, and how Pentecost is so relevant today more than any time in human history. I pray, O oh God, all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Next week, I will be speaking live on site and I will be emphasizing on how to tap into the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. But this morning, I want to speak for a little while on the subject entitled Pentecost, the Wind of Change. Pentecost, the Wind of Change. The word change is a vast word in the church today. I know of people who leave their church to another church because of the word change. And it is true, the whole world is going through changes. The political world, the, the economic world, and the social world is going through change. And not forgetting, climates are also going through changes. We call that climate change. But the church is also going through change. But it is very important in times like this, when we hear so much, so much about changes, that we understand what that change is all about. In fact, one of the reasons why some people leave Pentecostal churches is because for some reason they think that to be a Pentecostal is to be old-fashioned. In fact, recently I asked a, a young minister, I said, why don't you call yourself a Pentecostal church? You don't seem to be able to articulate the word Pentecost very, very well. And he told me, I seldom use the word Pentecost or Pentecostal because it is always linked to an old mindset and an old paradigm of doing ministry. But the truth of the matter is, in the little while I'm going to show to you that Pentecost is actually the wind of change. Pentecost is actually the force of change. It is only through the Holy Spirit's power that the church will change in the right direction. Now, everything is changing. Everybody is changing. I am changing every day. I'm going to grow one day older tomorrow. Okay? You are changing every day. But the question is, are those changes in our life and in our churches glorifying Jesus Christ? Is it helping us to preach the gospel not only extensively, not only powerfully, but to preach the gospel accurately? One of my concerns as the general superintendent and also as a pastor of a growing church is this, that we not only preach the gospel or preach Jesus extensively to everyone wherever we can, whenever we can, but we must also preach Jesus Christ 
accurately. Paul warns about people who preach a different Christ. He warned people about preaching Christ with a different spirit. Pentecost is the key to the force of change. Pentecost is the key to the win of change. In fact, the changes that Pentecost bring into our life will always be positive. There is no such thing as an old Pentecostal church. In fact, if you and I are really baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you and I are really Pentecostals, we will be constantly changing. Pentecostal churches are supposed to be the most innovative in methodology, supposed to be the most creative in mind and mentality, and supposed to be the most passionate in our hearts. Pentecostal people are people who are very innovative. They're constantly looking for ways and means to preach the gospel ex extensively and effectively and accurately. Pentecostal people are people who are very creative. We have within us the Holy Spirit who is the creator. We have within us Jesus Christ who is the creator of the entire universe. We have a creative spirit. You and I do not have just God like everybody else understand about God. You and I have the true and living God and the true and living God is the God who created the entire world and His nature did not change, has not changed and will never change. God does not change. If He have created the world out of nothing, He is still creative today. And on the day of Pentecost, we are told in scriptures that the Holy Spirit came in full force and changed the entire landscape of Judaism by building the church. The day of Pentecost is the birth of the church. On the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came powerfully, it changed the entire course of men and women who have been following Jesus. The Bible says they were Baptized in the Holy Spirit, the spoken tongues, and all those ordinary fishermen, all those weak believers, carnal believers who have been following Jesus for three and a half years. And many of them were timid. Some of them were backslidden. But on the day of Pentecost, a good example is Peter. God, by his Holy Spirit, changed that man completely into a new leaf. A timid, discouraged Backslidden man, Peter, became the flaming evangelist. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came in mighty power, God did it in such a way that, that Jerusalem was filled with men from all over the world. And those men, when they were in Jerusalem, when the day of Pentecost happened, many of them were saved. The Bible said 3,000 of them were saved. And many of those 3,000 fan across the noon world and plant churches. When you read the book of Acts, you will notice that many of the churches were planted not by the apostles. They were planted by lay people. But then founded through the ministry of the apostle, taught and established through the ministry of the apostle. Pentecost is the wind of change. There is no such thing as an old-time Pentecostal. I take offense to that. We should never be ashamed to be called Pentecostal. Anyway, it is a biblical title. 
What are the changes that happened during the day of Pentecost? The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 4, when the day of Pentecost has fully come, they were all filled, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly they came from heaven, a sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Then they appeared to them, divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Chapter 2, reading verse 36. Therefore, all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter answered and said to them, Repent, let everyone be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14, and with many words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized on that day itself. About 3,000 souls were added to them. Pentecost brings the greatest change to lives of men and women in human history. And those changes not only happened to them, those changes affected their ministry. And because their ministry was affected by the change that comes through the Holy Spirit, the whole world was changed when they fell all over Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and uttermost part of the world being a witness for Jesus Christ. There are four specific changes that will happen in our life when the wind of Pentecost blow through our lives and through our church. Number one, on the day of Pentecost, they heard something that they have never heard before. They heard something that they have never heard before. The Bible says in verse 2, and there came a sound from heaven. It is a sound of coming change. The Holy Spirit could have come in quietly. He could have come in gently. He could, could have come in in a very subdued manner. But the Bible says he came like a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And that is a sound of change. I remember one day how a religious man by the name of Nicodemus he came to Jesus because Nicodemus realized in the gospel of John that his ministry was different from the ministry of Jesus. He was brought up as a priest. He has been trained as a priest all his life. But here come a man who comes from a small little town called Nazareth, the son of a carpenter. And he was not even trained to be a priest, but Jesus was different. His ministry was powerful. His ministry was vibrant. His ministry was alive. His ministry was so full of healing and deliverance. And Nicodemus was so attracted to it. And he came to Jesus and asked Jesus, what is the key to his power? 
And Jesus answered, and you can read it in the Gospel of John, and say, you must be born again. And Nicodemus could not understand that spiritual revelation and asked, how can a man get back into the womb of the mother and be born again? You know, one of our biggest problems today is we hear something spiritual, but we interpret it so carnally and humanly and completely miss the point. I pray this morning you will not only hear with your mind, but hear with your spirit because Jesus told Nicodemus, hey, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And then he said, the wind blows where it wants to. You do not know where it comes from, but you know where it has been. They heard us something that they have never heard before is the sound of change. The sound of a change lives. The church is supposed to change life. I know part of changing life is to educate them. But the church, I fear sometimes, has become just an educational institution where people sit down there Sunday upon Sunday Bible class after Bible class and massing all the ed biblical education. And yet, after sitting in the church for five to ten years, they have not changed. Changes comes through the Word of God working together with a powerful wind of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they heard something that they have never before. We need to be sensitive to discern what God is saying today. We must not be numbed by traditional voices and traditional sound. Now you need to understand the Jewish religion is a very audible religion. When they go to the temple, you will hear the, the screaming of the animals when they were sacrificed on the altar. You will hear the cry and the anguish of the poor man and the needy woman praying to God for God to intervene. You will, it is a very audible religion. But sometimes we are so caught up by traditional sound and traditional voice in the temple. We are so used to hear the traditional sound of a church that had been around for a long time. And we used to make statements like, we used to do it that way. We used to approach it that way. This is what we hear again and again. But if we are really Pentecostal, if we are really a Pentecostal church, we will not talk only about what we heard in the past, but we will be discerning whether God is still saying the same thing. Now, God can say the same thing. You see, when people talk about change, they have the idea that the all is completely wrong and irrelevant. The truth is, God can say the same thing, but do it differently. In fact, every new voice that the Spirit of God is bringing into your life, into the church today, must be founded upon what God has done in the past. Only God created something out of nothing. I repeat again, only God could create something out of nothing, like what he did in Genesis chapter 1. As pastors, as leaders, as Christians, 
We don't have the ability to create something new out of nothing. We can only create something new out of the foundation and upon the foundation of something that God has done and said before. I pray Subhanjaya Assembly will not discard all the great things and all the good things that God has done in your church for the 40 plus years. But at the same time, you should not be controlled by it. You need to be discerning to ask God and to hear from God what He is saying to you today. When God speaks to us, it's not always popular. It is not always acceptable. And just because there is something that is very loud and something that is very exciting, something that is very big, something that seems and look and feel like Christians, it does not mean that God is in it. Let me give you an example. You remember how Elijah was so discouraged and he wanted to kill himself in, and he asked God to kill him. And then God spoke to him and asked him to go to Mount Horeb and in First King chapter 19, you read how he, saw, he heard the thunder and the Bible says, God is not there. God is not in it. God brought the thunder, but God said he is not in it. God brought the fire, but God is not in it. But then he heard a still small voice and God was in it. The point I want to make across to you is this. God may allow something, but may not be in it. God may allow something, but he may not be in it. He may allow something to be big, he may allow something to be even religiously, biblically correct. But it doesn't mean God is in it. And if God is not in it, there will be no power to go forward. Elijah heard a still small voice after this, the heat of the fire and after the sound of the thunder. And that still small voice completely renovated his heart completely changed the way he think and propel him to a new day, a new level of ministry. On the day of Pentecost, they heard something that they have never heard before. My prayer for you, Subang Jaya Assembly, that on Pentecost Sunday, you will not discard everything and you will not disregard everything that God has done in your life and in the church this past 40 plus year. But you will say, God, I thank you for all that you have done. But Lord, what do you want me to do today going forward? Are you hearing God? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Or are you doing the religious thing? Or are you doing the most Christian popular thing? On the day of Pentecost, they heard a sound that they have never heard before. Number two, on the day of Pentecost, they saw something that they have never seen before. Chapter two, the Bible says, and there 
came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and they were and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire they saw fire they saw something they have never seen before in other words they encountered god in a very fresh way they had a powerful encounter with god hallelujah the jewish religion is a religion that is not only audibly loud and in variety. The Jewish religion is also a religion that is often surrounded with fire. You can't help it when you approach the temple as a Jewish boy or girl to smell the aroma of burned offerings caused by no microwave during those days. Caused by the altar that burns the animal. You can't help but to see the huge brazen altar there. Where people place the offerings. And the priests burned the animals with fire. It is a religion that is surrounded by fire. But on that day they saw something they had never seen before. This is a very different fire. This is a fire that came upon the people, but yet did not consume people. They were very used to seeing fire that consumed animals and sacrifice. But now the Bible says, it appears to them divided tongues as a fire. And in other words, the fire completely engulfed them. And looking at the shape of the body, using your imagination a little while, none of us are like a block of wood. We got our shape, we got our curves. And uh, no wonder the, the, the author Luke say it was like tongues of fire. The fire completely engulfed, filled them from the top to the very bottom. There are different kinds of fire. There are religious fire. What are religious fire? Religious fire are the kind of excitement, the kind of uh, so-called exuberant that is caused by clamoring, that is caused by human ways, human manipulation, that is caused by human, uh, ex humanly uh, orchestrated and uh, passionate emotionalism. That is religious fire. And the moment the music stops, the fire also stops. If the fire is really from God, when the music stops, the fire continues. If it's really a fire from God, you don't need the music to start the fire. It's the fire that makes the music, make the music Christ-like and exuberant. If it's a, a God-given Holy Spirit fire, it does not need man to try hard to keep the fire burning. It burns through eternity just like God himself sits through eternity. Religious fire. Do we need great sound, great light, great music, great building, great ID to create a fiery environment? There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, not every church can afford that. So is God only good to churches that can afford that? I find it very difficult to believe. 
our God is not that kind of God. And if not everybody can afford that, if not every church have the talent for it, if not every church have the money to buy those kinds of facility, where does the fire come from? It is definitely true, not through religious activity. It comes from the Holy Spirit. They saw something they have never seen before. They saw fire. And in our words, they encounter God. You do not need all these things to help you to encounter God. I remember Moses, the Bible says, that he had nothing internally. He was discouraged. Internally, he was disengaged from his calling. Internally, he was uh, disengaged in terms of, of his future. He, has, he is now a shepherd, a, a shepherd taking care, not only not, not his own sheep, but the sheep of his father-in-law. Physically, he was also disengaged at the backside of a desert. He had nothing for 40 years. He experienced nothing of God that his mother taught him. But then suddenly one day he saw a fire that was burning on a bush and the bush was not burned. He had an encounter with God that changed his life forever. Although he had nothing internally, he was not surrounded by anything religiously. The environment was hostile. It was not helpful. It was not encouraging. It was not edifying. And he was spiritually backslidden. He, his call was non-existent as far as heart is concerned. I want you to know what our churches need and what you and I need today is a fresh fire that comes from God to, to encounter God again. To see God and to feel God and to know without a shadow of doubt whether it's in our mind or emotion or body. Some people encounter God in totality. They can feel the presence of God and their body shake and they, they cry. But some people feel the reality of God with none of this, but their mind becomes powerful. Their mind becomes enlightened. Their mind becomes strengthened. You know, for me personally, contrary to what a lot of people may say, when I encounter God, I don't feel it in my body. I don't feel it in my emotions. I feel Him in my mind. I experience the stillness in my mind. It's as if everything else is quiet. That's how I encounter God. When is the last time you encounter God? Or are you trying to find things that will help you to encounter God. Maybe a different life group, maybe a different relationship, maybe a different department. I submit to you on the day of Pentecost, they saw something they've never seen before. They saw fire. They gave them an encounter with God. What you need is not a different place, a different song, a different preacher, a different environment. What the church needs today is an encounter with God. Hallelujah. They saw something they've never seen before. Number three, they spoke something that they have not spoken before. They spoke something that they have not spoken before. As a great man of God said, there was a miracle, the first miracle 
on the day of Pentecost is a miracle of the mouth. The Bible says in verse 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance, they spoke something that they have never spoken before. Utterance. Of course, in this particular verse, we are told very clearly the word there and they speak with other tongues is the word xenolalia. Xenolalia. They spoke with other tongues. But I want to emphasize today more than the supernatural tongue that God gave to us. I want to emphasize the utterance as the Spirit gives them utterance. We still need the foolishness of preaching. You read in chapter 2 just now from verse 36 to verse 40, 41 how Peter spoke and that international cosmopolitan crowd heard the gospel preached by an untrained, unlearned, unqualified fisherman of a preacher and 3,000 of them got saved. Hallelujah. They got saved. Next week, we will pray for you that God will give you that supernatural tongue so that you can begin to speak in tongues and experience the reality and the power of God in a very real way. But the emphasis I want to bring across today is anointed speech. The foolishness of preaching. The Bible says when they heard them speaking, what was their respond? Their response is the people understand. Mental. The people marvel. It was supernatural. The people were convicted. They because they were spiritual. Hallelujah. Look at verse 11. The Cretans and the Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God, and they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this be? And the others say, in a mocking way, they are full of new wine. And of course, you read how Peter began to explain to them Begin to explain to them, and they understood. And how, after they understood, they began to cry out to Peter and said, You know, in verse 37, they were cut in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Man, what shall we do? Every preacher, including myself, wish and pray for this to happen. You preach, and the people say, What shall we do? Instead, or after we preach, we need to have special music, which is nothing wrong. Uh, we need to use certain kind, which is wrong, uh, of manipulation. We need to use certain, understand some behavioral science and employ some behavioral science techniques like the politician so that we can get people to come forward. We need to, we need to sell it. Uh, we need to make promises. But none of that thing happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter just preached. They understood the message. They were caught in their hearts. And they say, what must we do? And Peter just said, you need to be saved. They spoke something 
that they had never spoken before. When I use the word preaching, I emphasize on the on what Corinthians, First Corinthians emphasized, the foolishness of preaching. Our message is actually out of the world. Our message is a, a spiritual message. It's a foolish message as far as human beings, men, human normal mentality is concerned. A natural man cannot understand and cannot accept such a foolish message. Why must Jesus be the only way? Why must he be the only way? Why can't I just accept the teaching of Jesus and not becoming a Christian? Accepting the teaching of Jesus do not save a person from hell. It is accepting Jesus as the Lord and the personal Savior that stop the person from dropping into hell. On the day of Pentecost, they spoke something that they have never spoken before. Anointed speech. Not everybody is going to be called a preacher, but everybody is to share the gospel. And without the Holy Spirit, that foolish message that you want to share with your boss is not going to stick. Without preaching that foolish message, the friends, without the Holy Spirit's power, when you preach that foolish message, your friends who are smarter, more intellectual than you will never accept. But when the Holy Spirit anoints you and come upon you, you will say something that you have never said before because you have utterance. The word is utterance that come from the Holy Spirit. And that foolish preaching and message will begin to convict your heart and create a void within your heart. Create, bring such discomfort in their soul that everything that make them comfortable begin to disappear. Everything that they have given in security begin to melt away and they will cry out to you and say, what must I do to be saved? Instead of just, what must I do to live a better life? On the day of Pentecost, they heard something they have never heard before. They saw something they have never seen before. They spoke something that they have not spoken before. Our message is sacred. The delivery system is not. You can say the same thing, the same way, and the same method. But it's the Holy Spirit who is going to convict the people. Number four, as I come to an end, the experience of power of God in the place they have never expected before. They experience the power of God in the place where they have never expected before. It is one thing to experience the power of God when you have been walking and talking with Jesus and he is humanly standing beside you but by the day of Pentecost, when it comes along that day, the Bible says Jesus has already ascended to his Father. So they don't have the natural human Jesus beside them. 
it's another thing when you go to the temple where you can historic, historically claim that power because historically the power of God has come into his temple before, like the temple of Solomon. But the Bible says they experienced the day of Pentecost in a place that they have never expected before. It was not the temple. It was not with Jesus. It was in the upper room. Just a bunch of men and women coming together in an ordinary room. Just a bunch of men and women gathering together in Subang Jaya, in a big room called Subang Jaya, Assemblies of God. And when they did it, when they came together, they experienced the power of God. But it was not only the place. It was what they did in that place. The Bible says very clearly in verse 14, chapter 1, and this continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. And verse 1, chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost has fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. Never underestimate the power and the determination and the will of God to manifest His power when the people of God come together. I know in this so-called pre-pandemic, so-called pandemic atmosphere, a lot of us have, and a lot of you, have got to meet on site. And I know there are legitimate reasons for a lot of people, when you are not well, or you, those that you that are close to you, the, your parents are susceptible. As a result of that, you cannot come to church. And you, you engage, I pray, the service online. I understand that totally. Totally, I understand that. But the danger today is, because of this, people do not see the importance of gathering together. Gathering together. And I trust that those who are watching online will engage in the service and not only engage in the service, but engage in the service in the same day and at the same time instead of just going to sleep when everybody is in church. And then in the afternoon, hopefully you are up to it and then you are on the YouTube and watch the service. They were together and they experienced the power of God in a place where they have never experienced before. Why? Because it was a place of prayer. And their prayer was very powerful. Their prayer brought the power of God because there were unity among the people. The Bible says they were in one accord. Those of you who are engaged in this service online, I pray you were engaged from the beginning to the very, very end. Because this is the Lord's day. If you are part of Subang Jaya Assemblies of God, you should be in the service when the on-site service is happening. 
And that is one of the most powerful ways to cement the power of unity. They will release the power of God. The people were united. They were there together. Let us be together. Those of you on site, be together with those who are online. And those of you who are online, be together with us on site. They were not only united by being there, they were also united for the right purpose. Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 that it is not for you to know the days, the time, and the season when God is going to fulfill His kingdom's plan in totality. But in verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. They did not only unite themselves just to experience power. I want to be in a service because I want to feel the power. The power is for a reason. And if you do not use the power for the right reason, very soon the gathering will be powerless. And if your desire is just to experience the power without knowing what the power is for, very soon the power will also slowly ebb away and disappear from the church. They experience the power of God in a place where they have never expected before. And it was not with the physical human Jesus. It's not in the temple. It's in the upper room. It is in Subha Jaya, Assemblies of God, Sunday service, on-site and online. This morning, I do not know what is your need? I do not know whether you have experienced the Holy Spirit. But I know of one thing. Next week, we are going to pray. We are going to pray that every one of you will experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit and experience what the experience on the day of Pentecost, having a miracle happening in your mouths. But I want to close the service by making one but challenging you in one way. To challenge you to change. Every one of you, one changes. Changes in your personal life. And it is the power of Pentecost that can do that. Peter was a timid, backslidden, former disciple of Jesus Christ. But on the day of Pentecost, he rose up to be the flaming evangelist. He was not eloquent. He does not speak the religion, the language of the religion, the language of the temple, the language of the church. He spoke the language of the fishermen. But he stood up, basically preached a very simple message. He did not have the skill to draw in the crowd. He only had the skill to draw in the fishes from the net. But the people wanted to get into his spiritual net. The people say, what must we do? The power of the Holy Spirit can affect powerful change in your life today. Do you want to see changes in your life? Do you want to see changes in your church? And, if, and the changes that is most important and that is available to everyone is the changes that the Holy Spirit brings. If the Holy Spirit can use anybody and anything, it can function anywhere. The Holy Spirit is not 
control. And it's not only available for contemporary method of preaching and teaching and singing and lighting and environment, no, or dressing, no. The Holy Spirit can use those who have great lighting and great staging and great eloquence. But the Holy Spirit can be equally powerful in people who are considered normal. People who come from sekolah menengah and sekolah rendah jenis kebangsaan instead of international schools. The Holy Spirit can use people who are very hip in their dressing and very hip in the way they do things. But the Holy Spirit can also change people who are not so hip, not so eloquent, not so outgoing, not so sociable, quiet. The Holy Spirit can move and change anything because the changes that the Holy Spirit brings is first and foremost a spiritual change. Something must happen in your spirit first. Can you see a B? Amen. I want to encourage you as I come to a close and I pray for you that you open up your heart and say, Dear God, dear God, dear Holy Spirit, bring a change in my heart first. And as the musician continue to play, I want to encourage you, whether you are on-site or online, to stand up to your feet. If you're on-site, come to the altar. And as you come to the altar, it's like a prophetic act. you telling God, God, I am walking to that upper room. The upper room to me is that altar. You come to the altar. You lift up your hands and worship God. And I believe the Holy Spirit will fill you with His power and bring the first and the most and the most permanent change in your life, in your spirit. And hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, dear God, that you are always relevant and you are always fair. Lord, your power is not limited to a certain way of doing things. Your power is not limited to a certain place, certain style. And your power, oh God, works powerfully in changed lives because your power touches our spirit first. So Lord, as we come before you, we pray, oh God, that your Holy Spirit will fill us afresh, dear God, and begin to activate changes inside us, the way we think, the way we feel, oh God. Oh God, let your Holy Spirit bring a special God encounter to us as we respond to this altar call, as we walk out of our seed to the altar, dear Holy Spirit. Let this be a spiritual encounter. Let this Pentecostal Sunday be so powerful in our lives that we will always remember on this day, Pentecostal Sunday, we have our burning bush experience. We experience the power of God in such a way that our life is never the same again. Our call is never the same again. 
our ministry is never the same again. Stand up to your feet, church. Stand up to your feet and come to the altar as, as hand the service over to pastor to continue to pray for us.